0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo sent me to the Espies like right after I started and people were just walking by me. And I was like, I don't know what any's. you know, I think it was Ravi was with me. He's like, hey, that was this person. Like, don't you want don't you know? I'm like, no, actually, I guess I'm just a culturally illiterate moron. So, um, no, I don't know who any of these people are. And I work in sports. So, yeah yahoo fantasy football forecast i
1: like doing you know i love running routes we better be in florida it better be sunny and there better
0: be some sort of fruity drink involved
1: with matt Harmon.
0: it seems like you know ball the way you talk so (laughs) thank you someone clip that looking forward to facing your mom at some point last night at the bar we were at i had some really bad queso i've never had no bad queso really it's tuesday august 23rd oh what a day what a show because we're joined by the Midwest's favorite son, Andy Barons. Andy, what's going on, man? We got a, We got a great show here ahead of us. We've got a Cardinals preview later in the episode, as well as a conversation about how to avoid some running back minefields this year. Andy. What's up? Well, how's it
1: going? I I truly am the Midwest favorite son. I mean, maybe you were kidding there, but I've been traveling around the Midwest quite a bit, and man, I I get a warm welcome everywhere I go. We're 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 in that time of year where I will get the occasional like nod or squint of of semi recognition because there's draft slot videos popping up for people. Mm. There's you know like we're we're never more more public than we are right now. So yeah, I've I've been welcomed every place I've been, whether it's Indiana, Illinois, Michigan. It's been a it's been a wonderful few days
0: see that's funny you said that because they actually um on my way back to la from from the fort myers airport in florida as i was going up through tsa i heard the two guys talking and they were clearly debating and like pretty in-depth stuff too about Najee harris as a first round fantasy pick this year and I was just like, oh, no, please. you know, I don't I don't ever think like, oh, man, I might get recognized here because I'm a big celebrity. That's I'm not that much of an asshole. But um, I did think like, oh, God, I just hope they I hope they don't. Because I had like my mic stand and stuff, too. And oh, I, don't know, yeah. I was like, please, just I don't want to. I'm like, I'm 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 always stressed when I'm about to get on a flight because I'm a. A neurotic lunatic about being late to things <laughs> so i was like i don't even want like there to be a second of of uh hey what do you think about yeah so like keep, i was like please uh, so this is a very stressful time of year like you said because this is the only time people <laughs> would possibly care about us
1: yes exactly exactly right but uh i welcome it no i welcome it i was uh, i was welcomed uh throughout the i80 industrial corridor uh this this past
0: weekend it was really lovely well, you just love to see it. I'm so glad for you, Andy. Midwest's favorite son. <laughs> we love to see it. All right. Let's tackle a little bit of news before we get into our big topics of the day, starting with this morning. Um, I mean, as expected, I think Tom Pelissero tweeted it out. And like, as we freaking hope for, the Panthers have named a week one starter and it is Baker Mayfield. We were hoping this was the case. I always have a little bit of Panthers dread that like they might have done some stupid <laughs> and really let this be let this be like a true competition. I remember the like, the first week of training camp. There was, you know, oh, Sam Darnold's like this and that, you know, he's he's doing pretty well. The first practice Baker Mayfield kind of he's like six of 19 or something he's like, no, please, please, please. No. So this is good news for everybody involved with the Carolina Panthers.
1: Yeah, it's it's wild that they even pretended for a little bit that that Sam Darnold was involved in a competition because it just it I don't know, stuff like that just waste time. I get I get that you want to pretend that there's competition at every spot, but that I mean, such a low bar to clear for Baker Mayfield. My my ranks had assumed this all the time, so I'm not like there's not like some major re-ranking that has to happen after the announcement that Baker Mayfield is the guy. Um, right. And he's he's obviously I think he's the right choice for for this offense. Not that he's so spectacular, not that you should be racing out to upgrade him or anything like that or to, uh, to you know, target him in late round. No, nobody's saying anything like that. But he is a guy who has a couple of seasons with like 26, 27 touchdown passes. And that will that will support a couple of uh, every week fantasy starters, right? So this is the right answer for DJ Moore. Um, it is it is the right answer for the offense generally. I don't I don't think the Panthers are going to be a team that scores thirty a game or anything like that. But um, this this gives them the best possible upside.
0: I really like the way that Baker Mayfield and DJ Moore's skill set kind of overlap. Mm-hmm. And we've said it before; it's the gritted teeth thing of like Baker Mayfield's the best quarterback <laughs> that DJ Moore has ever played with. Although I think I think Baker Mayfield's like a league average starter and you said, you know, support yeah. a couple of reliable fantasy options. That's basically all we're asking for here. Nobody cares really from an ADP perspective. Nobody cares about any pass catcher other than DJ Moore and obviously Christian McCaffrey. So I took the coward's way out. I th- I think in my wide receiver preview last week and I think I put AJ Brown as my wide receiver 12. But I, 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 I flip-flop him and DJ Moore at 12 and 13 all the time just because there's sort of like 12 is the cutoff for a true wide receiver one. And I, I think DJ Moore's got a shot to get there this year. So this is yeah. – I'm I'm taking this as really welcome news because we basically just need DJ Moore, I think, to maintain the target volume that we he had from last year. And I think there's a pretty good shot he does that. And then just bake in a little more efficiency and maybe score seven touchdowns. Like, can we get to seven? I think he has a top – 12 wide receiver season in his range of outcomes. And I kind of want this to be the year that I buy into that.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Just a 7 to 9 touchdown season from DJ Moore makes him an absolute fantasy star, right? Because he's already like he's clearing 1100 yards a year. He's um vacuuming up vacuuming up all kinds of receptions. So, he just needs this offense to be not like a bottom third group, which I think with a healthy Baker Mayfield, they can be. I agree with you. He's basically a, he's basically a league average passer. That's that's plenty fine. That's good. That's, you know, I mean, if you if you think of sort of Derek Carr, a handful of other guys in the same range, they you know, they've always supported uh, one or more uh, viable fantasy starters. So that's that's really all we need for more. Like we get we get eight touchdowns from DJ Moore. He's a he's an absolute win.
0: Love it. Um, One more thing to update from yesterday's podcast we talked about a little bit. Cave on Thibodeau, it was literally breaking as Scott and I were um, were react or were taping the podcast. So reacted in real time. But we now know that Cave on Thibodeau injury revealed to be. An MCL sprain. It's a three to four week timeline. It honestly could have been much worse. There's been a lot of Twitter debate about whether this is uh, a a dirty hit or whatever. Um, By the books, it's a legal hit. Uh, So, you know, just generally with uh, with the Giants right now, tough. Just kind of a tough break for uh, a Giants early round pick. But obviously, um, not as if you're you're banking on the Giants defense for fantasy or anything like that.
1: Yeah, but really best possible news. I don't even I don't even know how to react to the hit. I mean, it looks, you know, it looks cheapish, it looks at the knee. But as you say, a, a legal hit, we, we also don't want people to go high, right? We, we don't want right. any helmet-to-helmet stuff. And if we don't want any helmet-to-helmet stuff, it seems like you're going to get people going low. Um, so, I mean, this is, a, this is a play that happens. I don't think it was – I can't imagine, given the context of preseason game, that there was any malicious intent there. A little sloppy. It's a, but it's a really good outcome for uh, – given given how ugly it looked in real time, it was a, a great outcome
0: absolutely agree there. Um all right, a couple other preseason notes that we would have hit with Scott on last podcast, but we did two team previews and I was very conscious to not let that become a two hour marathon of a pod. So we're tacking them onto the news section here. And this is also an extension of a conversation Andy and I had last week about the Steelers quarterbacks. Andy, I'm officially ready to say it's just, let's just get Kenny Pickett out there for the Steelers. Cause he's looked pretty good in the preseason so far. Um, I know there was like a viral clip of Mitch having like the most Mitch play of all time where he, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I actually thought that this, this um, stat from sharp book, uh, Warren Sharp on Twitter really kind of harkened my brain back to the conversation you and I had about Mitch Trubisky. Um, so far during the preseason, Kenny Pickett is number two in time to throw at 2.3 seconds per attempt. He's number 65 in air yards per attempt at 5.4. Meanwhile, Trubisky just on the complete opposite spectrum here, 67 in time to throw, 3.1 seconds per attempt, and number two in air yards per attempt. Like I said, it, it, it kind of recalled the conversation you and I had where if you lay things out for Mitch, like if you put him in a pretty in a box, you can get the best out of Mitch. I just don't think that Matt Canada wants to put his quarterbacks in a box, really. I think he, yeah. he wants to kind of let him run and create. And I just don't know that if you want Trubisky having that freedom, especially behind an offensive line that has looked really bad in the preseason, by the way. So I think Kenny Pickett offering more juice. Then Ben Roethlisberger did, but in sort of a similar get the ball out quick, you know, not try to improvise too much, but still make use of, I think, his underrated athleticism, underrated mobility with a great cast of receivers. I think Pickett's shown enough in preseason that I'm now officially on. Let's just start the rookie from week one and get it over with.
1: Yeah, he wasn't necessarily drafted at a spot where you'd say, OK, we have to we have to get to this guy as soon as possible. Right. Like he's not he's not like a top three pick or anything like that. But a, a first rounder, obviously, the the big advantage that you look for with these guys is let's get him on the field as quickly as we can. And we'll take advantage of the fact that we're, we're not paying our quarterback 40 million dollars. And let's see what we can mm-hmm. build here. Um, so I do think they need to get to it. You're totally right that. What we've seen so far from Kenny Pickett looks um, fundamentally a lot like the offense that they were running with Roethlisberger. Mitch is, uh, like, the the numbers that you're quoting for Trubisky, you know, uh, 12 air yards per attempt or whatever it is, that should be what the Steelers could do really well. You know, you look at Chase Claypool and he's got, like, a four-foot vertical and he's six four and he's just, like, physically should be dominant. He's one of the best athletic profiles in the NFL right now. And you look at Pickens and, like, this oh, that yeah. should work. It should be yeah. like a like a deep strike offense to those two guys and just like death by a thousand cuts with Deontay Johnson. But Mitch is almost certainly not the guy to deliver that, right? <laughs> right. We're not talking about like an elite deep passer. Um, and I don't know that Pickett is going to be one either, but it it has been a very promising start for Pickett. And if he can be this efficient or anything close to it. The the other thing that you and I talked about is that, like, and you know, I don't necessarily expect Mike Tomlin to be vulnerable to this, but my goodness the public outcry to get kenny pickett on the field as soon as mitch has one of those games that he just oh, yeah. you know blows for you in the end it's going to be crazy it's going to be crazy i mean they drafted the the local kid the local like near icon right so the girl I, next I door am... they
0: called him i think or, or yeah he was dis- <laughs>
1: yeah so i'm i'm totally looking forward to getting him to him actually getting on the field and in, in in games in, in part just because like i don't know i feel like i've seen this mitch thing play out several times and i i have a pretty good idea how it ends
0: Yeah, and I mean, the first three weeks for uh, the Steelers, they get the Bengals defense in week one. Um, Lou Anarumo was certainly pitching some heaters there toward the end of last season. You know, Bill Belichick in week two with the Patriots, the Browns uh, pass rush with Miles Garrett and the boys against the Steelers offensive line. That could be pretty bad. So even if they start Mitch Trubisky in week one, just because that was the plan all along or whatever, I mean... There's gonna be some moments in that three in the first three weeks where Trubisky yeah. Uh, yeah. pukes on his shoes, and and we're gonna see Kenny Pickett soon enough. But I'm just I'm officially ready to see him right away. A couple of notes on those receivers, the Steelers group, because we've talked about them a lot. George Pickens and Jace Claypool are splitting time in two receiver sets in the preseason, which is good. Uh, but it does look officially like Chase Claypool is gonna be that big slot receiver for them, which I think is great for Pickens because he's gonna get on the field and he's gonna be pretty much a starter i've gone ahead and f- switched uh chase claypool and george pickens like uh, in my rankings i've got pickens over claypool yep. i don't know if you have too yep but same. claypool that's good if you're drafting him and i don't know that he's re- like where the range i've got him ranked he's not like a, a must draft guy but like a, a guy you could draft or maybe have on waiver wire speed dial if kenny pickett is better than expected you want i think you want him playing in the slot i think i'm re- I'm, I'm at that point with chase claypool as well
1: I, I think it's a, re- I think it's really fun. I think it's a really fun experiment. I it's, it's wild to me that we're here with Chase Claypool I, again. I, I feel like I've made this point before, but he ha- he is the closest thing that we've seen to like the size slash athletic profile to, to Calvin Johnson as, as, as has happened in the last like 15 years. Yeah. And it's, it's wild that he's ended up as a slot receiver and he had such a, a carnival ride of a season last year. But here we are. Um, what I'm basically whatever gets George Pickens on the field right now. For. four.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, this is a a really fun trio, and especially a duo between Mm -hmm. Johnson and um, George Pickens. But you know, Claypool is your third guy in this particular role. I think is really good for this offense. I'm still, I'm still obsessed with the Steelers receivers, but I'm not going to let us talk about them any longer because we've done it so much. (laughs) A couple of cleanup notes here with other second round rookies. You know, George Pickens isn't the only exciting second round rookie we've got this year. Um, Alec Pierce played in two receiver sets, which is something he didn't do with the starters last week. I think Pierce is a underrated prospect. Uh, he just doesn't seem to get any real pop, but like we keep asking the Colts to find some answer, you know, at, at pass catcher beyond Michael Pittman. I really like Mo Cox, who was rested with the starters. Didn't play. Um, obviously we didn't see Michael Pittman or any of the other boys, but uh, Paris Campbell was restricted to snaps in the slot in 11 personnel. Whereas the previous week, Campbell was the outside guy along with Michael Pittman when the guys started. So I'm not really sure what this means at this point, but I do want to put Alec Pierce on the radar because he could be like a second half of the season guy that you pick up and potentially he starts getting rocking and rolling in fantasy because I this is a weird player comparison, Andy. But um, I think Alec Pierce reminds me a lot of the bad evaluations on DK Metcalf coming out, coming out of the uh, oh, uh, coming out of the
1: draft. Wow, that's fun. Yeah,
0: like a guy that you mostly want running slants posts and goes pretty much like, is a fine player against man coverage. He can get off the line of scrimmage pretty well, but an incomplete guy and, and sort of that, that like stiff guy that people thought DK Metcalf was going to be, I if you throw all those evaluations of DK in the trash. Like, I don't know that Alec Pierce is going to become DK, but I do think like that player complements the sort of Keenan Allen Allen Robinson hybrid that I I think the Colts want Michael Pittman to be. And I think Michael Pittman is. So I do want Pierce to be on the radar for folks and sky Moore Also, the chiefs played their starters, but sky Moore still kind of ran out as a backup. So I don't think either of these, and I think it's Sky Moore at this point, probably not a draftable guy either, but I do think they should, they could be like good candidates for quote this year's Amon Ra St. Brown, who is like the picture of the post by rookie bump.
1: Yeah. The, the only, you know, the thing we always have to mention with Amon Ross St. Brown is it, it, you almost certainly didn't hold him all year, right? Like exactly. he probably got dropped and he was probably like a, a November, December waiver ad who then carried someone through the fantasy playoffs. And And Sky Moore is a really solid candidate for that right now, because like, he's obviously in a great situation if he starts playing a ton of snaps, a really talented college player. Um, I think the biggest hands at the position, right? Like a, a yeah. bunch of fun uh, a- athletic tools and attributes, but it's pretty clearly Juju, MVS, and then McCole Hardman doing the usual McCole Hardman role, and then Sky Moore, which is which is fine. He's a developmental player on a great offense, great in dynasty. But I do see Sky Moore often, uh, you know, I've had a bunch of drafts over the last week or so, and I'm still seeing Sky Moore taken as like the second chiefs wide receiver off the board, which is, which is just flat out going to be wrong. I think, um, based yeah. on, on any sort of preseason usage, like you should, I don't know, you should not be using like a, a, a pick in the first 10 rounds on somebody who's just clearly not going to have a September role. You know, um, he's, he's presumably going to be active, but not going to be involved at all. Like you're just never going to keep that guy. This is, this is a, a strong candidate to be your first cut. Um, I, th- I think it's good to talk about, I think Pierce is a great name to throw out there and I was toying with uh writing about him in a in a wide receiver sleepers piece uh this week because it's just so wide open for like the number two role in that offense I have been collecting a lot of Mo Alley Cox as like a a deep league super late tight end who might pop because we just I can't I can't tell you I still can't tell you who's gonna who's gonna be second on that team in receptions maybe it's gonna be a boring answer like Naheem Hines or something like that but there's a really good chance that somebody here pops and becomes like a 65 catch receiver. And I just, I have no idea. I like, is it going to be Allie Cox? Is it going to be Pierce? Pierce, Pierce landed in a great situation for first year receiver production.
0: Yeah, and uh, just a couple uh, reception perception notes on Alec Pierce. He was fifth among the prospects I charted in success rate versus man. He was sixth in success rate versus press. That looks pretty good, although he was also dead last in success rate versus zone. So I think there's just some developmental stuff that needs to go on there. And like I said about the weird DK Metcalf comparison, these are the three routes he finished uh, above the prospect average in success rate versus coverage. Nine post slant. He was at the average on flat routes, and then below average on anything else. So again, incomplete player. But when he gets on the field, I think he could have a lot of big play juice. So just want to I want to keep hammering this whole like Amon Ross, St. Brown thing because you know Hayden Winks from uh, Underdog. We had Josh Norris on the show. They have a great show together. He talks about the post by rookie bump all the time, and I feel like that's just something we should be tracking like throughout the course of the season. Like a lot of these rookie receivers, I'm not telling you to draft these guys because Andy's right. Like I'm probably not interested in drafting any of the non-Juju Chiefs receivers, Sky Moore included, but he's the guy I want to be tracking throughout the course of the season. All right, Andy, let's transition to our main talking point of the day, which was really inspired by uh, a conversation that my brother-in-law and I had while we were in Florida. Although, you know, we might've been like double digit Michelob Ultra's deep at this point. So I'm going to try (laughs) to... (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to try to have a more nuanced conversation with you here about it today. You know, his, his um, whole point was that as a casual fantasy player, and like, let me tell you what, my brother-in-law is not on, you know, not on Twitter. He's very not online at all, but he is listening to this podcast. So that's good. Appreciate the support. His whole point was that as a casual player, the biggest mistake that he often makes and and he's like, I bet other people make this mistake too, is getting banged by these running back rotations, like in the insert platforms name here, default rankings, this guy might be the top pick. So I end up taking them in the mid rounds or whatever, but I have no, I have no idea as a casual player that in you know three, four weeks they, they might completely the bed and screw over my fantasy team. Like you're completely banged because of this. And as he's saying this, I'm like, that's the running back dead zone that we always talk about. But I'm sure that, when he and other casual people hear that on the show, we're like, they're like, "What the hell is the running back dead zone?" You dorks are talking about this, but you never really explain it. So, Andy, let's sort of have a, a, a brief kind of conversation about what the running back dead zone is. And I think Antonio Gibson's a great example of this that you know Scott and I just talked about. Like he's the guy that over the course of the preseason has gone from the clear-cut RB one in this backfield to now almost going to go behind. Brian Robinson in yeah. certain drafts, like that. That was one that happened fast. But some of these other ones, they're going to happen a little bit slower potentially.
1: Yeah the the basics of the RB dead zone, really. What what would you say the rounds are? Does it start in round four? Maybe, I'd say maybe? yeah,
0: it starts to creep up round round like rounds four to five.
1: Yeah, so we're talking about the 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 performance historically of the running backs that might get taken in rounds 4 through like 7 somewhere in there. Um and it is just a minefield at running back. There's two really important things here. The the first being that the failure rate on those running backs is really high. The failure rate on all running backs is fairly high, right? But at least we know that the guys that are going in the first couple rounds have been great. They're massive talents. Many, most of them are in line for like 280 plus touches, right? Those are the workload guys where we feel at least good about what their team expects to get out of them. Um, the the guys in the RB dead zone are often um pretty ordinary talents who might be falling into sizable workloads, but you know, because of The slightest opportunity that that uh, is granted to their backup, their backup can can definitely seize it or they're like or they're like ascending rookies that we might be really excited about. But they're mired in backfields with like uh, two or three vets who are really good players. And this could you know, it could all end up a big, big old stinking mess. Um, there's just a high failure rate on those guys. And then the other point that I want to make is that this is the exact range that the wide receiver one has come from each of the last two years, right? right? Like Cooper Cup was taken in like round four, round five in most fantasy drafts last season. Um, Stefan Diggs, we were oh my god, we were fretting about how bad Josh Allen had been. And oh, he's on a new team. We got to downgrade him for the new team, and then he just went out and he led the league and all the important stuff a couple years ago. So like it's not just that the running back failure rate is so high in this range. It's that like a, a literal like, league winner um, has been available mm-hmm. in, in these rounds at a different position in each of the last two years. And you can just sort of look around and, and you know, is it Michael Pittman this year? Is it T Higgins? Is it one of the Denver guys? There's a lot of really strong candidates for it. And you're not going to feel 100% about any of the guys in uh, any of the running backs that are available in this range. You mentioned you mentioned Gibson. For me, he's, a, he's actually a really difficult conversation because I'd be, I would be shocked if Brian Robinson is actually a better player than Antonio Gibson right now. Like, Gibson has receiving chops. Um, He's been, you know, he's been a thousand yard back. He's proven that he can go over 300 uh, uh, touches in a season. He played through a damn broken leg last year. Like I'm, I'm all kinds of impressed with Antonio Gibson. And I'm still, I still wonder a little bit if they're just, you know, if this isn't just like Ron Rivera going into like high school coach mode and teaching him a, a weird lesson uh in front of everybody on ball security, because that's been a little bit of an issue in the in the preseason. It's bizarre. The whole thing is absolutely bizarre. Yeah. But it, based on preseason usage, you would have to say that Brian Robinson has has leapfrogged him, which to me is crazy, because I, I still think like whether Brian Robinson is good enough to be a real rotational NFL running back is still kind of an open question. And I do not have that question at all about Gibson, but he's, he's exactly the kind of guy who, who goes in this range and can absolutely fail.
0: Well, I think that Gibson's going to get to a point where he's like a post dead zone pick, which that's another thing about the dead zone. One, you said opportunity cost is the exact, is the way to say it. Like we used to say that with quarterbacks all the time, you wanted to pass up those quarterbacks Mm -hmm. that were going up in this range because you were, passing up better bets at running back and wide receiver. And now it's basically the opportunity cost of taking one of these running backs is going to have you miss out on that beefy group of wide receivers that could really outkick their ADP and potentially be top 10 players. But it's also like that the guys who go after the running back dead zone have been equally as successful as the dead zone backs or even perhaps better bets. So these guys that like, I mean, shoot, I could see Antonio Gibson falling to rounds eight and nine which is like okay the guys in rounds eight and nine there's just not there's not a huge gap even though these guys are going to go in the fourth fifth round there's not that big of a gap in their range of outcomes so that's another reason why you might want to consider passing on running backs in this entire range because you could end up getting banged but you're using serious draft like I would still say guys in this range are, are requiring you serious draft equity but Like, I know it feels, but it feels super uncomfortable to the casual player to say, okay, if you've only got one running back going into rounds four to five, like, you don't need the two like don't grab two guys in in five and six and potentially take one of these dead zone backs because it's the effect of like when you post your roster on on Twitter and um, I know Danny Carter has the whole bit of like wow great roster but the running backs look uh, don't look so good but that's how like ca- like casual players legitimately feel that stress yeah. and that angst um, and and I, get, I always want to say this because I'm, I'm not talking down to like casual players you people including my brother-in-law, Travis, like you have real lives. You have real jobs. Like, you know, you put, you putting in real hours in the real world, okay? You have like families and, 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 and real stuff to do. Us dorks who are not casual fantasy players, we, we're the losers in this situation. So let's just always, <laughs> let's always be very clear about that. But we also love you non-casual players well because you keep the lights on. So everybody's happy. Nobody's offended by me saying the phrase casual player, I hope. Searching for NBA playoff coverage, we've got you. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. So let's kind of dive into some of the guys that I think are not dead zone players, just as the, as the starting point here. And you can disagree if you feel like any of these guys aren't, but I think like top three guys that are total locks Jonathan Taylor, CMC, Austin Eckler, 100% feel great mm-hmm. about those guys. The next group of guys, I would say, are pretty much 100% sure. Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Aaron Jones, Najee Harris, DeAndre Swift, Joe Mixon, Saquon Barkley, Leonard Fournette, Alvin Kamara. Like none of these guys are going to completely bang your team unless they get hurt or like the quarterback of their offense gets hurt or some kind of crazy chaos happens. I think we can all agree with that. Yeah, I I think
1: that's fair to say the. The it, it's clearly t- Saquon is the one place where I pause, um, but there's no question that the Giants plan is that he's going to be able to handle a huge workload because there's no yeah. safety net here. There's no there's nobody worth discussing uh, uh, behind him on on the, this depth chart. He just happened to be really like he couldn't bring a tackle last year. <laughs> like, and, and that was, you know, again, that was coming off the ACL. Uh, we have every reason to think he's going to be better. I hope he's better. He's a bit of an open question for me, but um, you're, you're totally right. Like the team clearly intends for him to touch the ball 320 340 times
0: I think you could say the same thing about Leonard Fournette, too. He's probably not. That's yeah. why these guys, are, like I said, are pretty much 100% sure. And the longer you go down the list, the little more anxiety that everybody comes with. The next group that I think are not dead zone backs, but I would say slightly less sure, James Connor, Nick Chubb, Javante Williams, Zeke. I know some people group Zeke into the dead zone group. I personally do not. And J.K. Dobbins. So those five guys also do we agree that like they're not a part of this conversation, that unless they get hurt – They're you're probably not going to be totally banged. And Dobbin's obviously has an existing injury question, but unless they get hurt, you're probably not going to get totally screwed if you spend to me. These guys are all they're They're like fringe round three, four guys. This last group that we just talked about.
1: Yeah, I I would be happy um, for Zeke Elliott to be my number one running back. Like if I'm you know, if I happen to fall at a spot in the draft where I can get. Or I can get Justin Jefferson in the first round and I could turn around and I can get like, I don't know, Mike, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen behind that. And I'm just I'm just loading up on receivers who I absolutely know are not going to fail because those are totally bankable players. Like I'd be happy to do that and then and then lead with Zeke Elliott. I am surprised at how little enthusiasm there is for Nick Chubb, who's like the I mean, he's the he's the closest thing we got to. To Derrick Henry in all likelihood. He's he's an incredibly efficient runner, right? He's never had a season below like five yards per carry. He's spectacular and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he won a rushing title. I would I would personally, I would take him over Saquon Barkley and actually mm. like maybe maybe half of the guys uh, from your second group. Like, I think Nick Chubb is about the best ball carrier uh, in, yeah. in the NFL right now. Um, the obvious problem is that he's not going to catch 50 passes. So any sort of PPR, he gets dinged a little bit, but he's definitely the centerpiece of that offense.
0: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is that he had already existing questions about his fantasy outlook and now is going to most likely be playing in a Jacoby Brissett offense to start the season for 11 weeks. And I don't I don't love that. So that's why I have Nick Chubb lower. But I agree 100% with your evaluations about him as a player that he is one of the two or three best ball carriers in the NFL. Um, we'll save James Conner, longer discussion about him for our Cardinals preview later on in the show. But yeah, I mean, again, I don't think these guys are dead zone backs. I, I don't think Zeke and, and J.K. Dobbins, even though they kind of grouped in for everybody else, I don't think they're, they're dead zone backs. So now we're in, again, in my rankings, it's running back like 18 to you know 30-ish or whatever, the next guys that we're going to discuss here. And I think that is firmly rounds probably honestly now that we sit now that we're saying and i think it's probably rounds five to like five to seven that this is the 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 meat of this discussion here running back dead zone so andy let's go back and forth here and and just discuss guys like that like like travis was saying my brother-in-law travis was saying like these are the guys that you take because they are the highest ranked player on the platform that you're drafting (laughs) they're the top running back on the team but man if you if you wake up After the week four games, you might realize, man, my team is completely banged because insert player here was my second running back or even, God forbid, I've got two of these guys on my team. They have completely banged me. Your first guy here, CEH, he's in the dead zone for me, but he was not a player I considered. Um, But it's certainly possible. So please tell us why you might be completely banged if you draft CEH. Well,
1: the the biggest problem with him is that he's not um, he's not even close to the buzziest running back in Chiefs camp. That's obviously, been, <laughs> um, n- you know, national phenomenon, Isaiah Pacheco, which, again, wild to me like he'd been a perfectly ordinary Rutgers running back for for the entirety of his college career. And now he's just lighting up Chiefs camp running with the one running with the first team all the time. c h is pretty clearly going to be i mean, I mean, this should be known to people who who watched any NFL last year, right? Like he was already a job share running back. He's yeah. clearly going to be in that situation again. There's no path here other than everybody else gets hurt and they don't sign anyone to CEH being a being a you know 300 320 touch running back it's just not going to happen and they probably shouldn't and don't trust him at the goal line he hasn't been great at the goal line um so they've brought in other candidates for that role um that that could be Derek Gore that could be that could be Isaiah Pacheco that could be almost anybody but CEH we haven't seen the huge reception season that that a lot of us thought mm-hmm. he could deliver when he came into the league so there's just not I don't have a lot of reason to recommend the guy, I, I, know, but he is exactly this sort of person who just ends up at the top of your queue and you're like, hmm, Chiefs running back. Who's behind him? I don't know. Pulling the trigger. And then and then the guy has a clear path this season to like nine hundred fifty, maybe just over a thousand yards, like six touchdowns. And that's just not that's just not what you're looking for.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's he's a sort of to to use Scott's phrase, he's a consummate. He'll never be a green light pick, but I can I can squint in him and see it like him a yellow light pick. <laughs> um, you know, right? Because it is a good offense, but you don't want these guys that are the empty calorie carries backs, as we've talked. Like you know, doesn't have access to the goal line work. He's never been a good goal line back as Ceh, um, and doesn't have. He's this is what the crazy thing about Ceh Andy is. All we talked about when he was coming out was what a good receiving yeah. back he is, and yeah. I Ronald Jones. Not gonna make this team, I think, at this point. He's taken 0.0 snaps with Patrick Mahomes in any preseason game. Um, and if he makes the team, he will be purely as the fourth running back, which is kind of wild. But Jarek McKinnon is gonna make the team. He does play on special teams, but he can also be like a JD McKissick type player that just saps that. like Clyde Edwards Laird ain't gonna catch like zero passes or anything like that. But he's with Jarek McKinnon on the team, he's never gonna catch like 70 plus, I think. So um certainly hear your point there. Uh I'll I'll offer up my first guy elijah mitchell um and he's actually the he i said my ranks 18 to 30 as the guys were talking about he's 18 he's he's kind of my favorite of this group here and i could see him ending up on my team but when have we never been screwed by a 49ers back before, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> just because they were supposed to be the first guy on the depth chart. Mm, can't even, can't think of one recent example. So obviously that's always going to cause some uh, stress, some fret for folks out there. Uh, especially I could see many casual players just saying, Nope, forget it. 49ers running backs are off my draft board. So maybe you can just skip this entire section completely, but man, I can, I can see some really good, end-of-year results for Eli Mitchell. I mean, last year he was really good and got a a ton of work on the ground, but he's never going to be a receiving back, certainly not with Trey Lance as the starting quarterback. Honestly, like, if he becomes a big part of the receiving rotation, someone like Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle is really going to sacrifice, and I don't think any of us want to project that as a reality. But, yeah, I think he's also a guy that, you know, Trey Sermon's gotten some pop this off season. Tyrion Davis Price was drafted in the third round. I'm spacing on the um on the other guy that, that, that I think they drafted Jeff this w- year well, too.
1: I they've st- Jeff Wilson is still lurking, and, right? Like Yes.
0: Yes. Je- Jeff Wilson is still him. there. They absolutely yeah. love him. Yeah, they love, I mean, he's probably the favorite to be the second back right now. Jordan Mason is the other rookie um, that's gotten some pop from 49ers camp too. So it's always a moving target is the 49ers backfield and Eli Mitchell's got holes in his profile. Anyways, from a receiving standpoint and potentially a goal line standpoint, as long as Trey Lance is there. I mean, it's the mile. I know we're going to talk about Miles Sanders later on, but like Jalen Hurts stealing from Miles Sanders. Yep. Trey Lance going to be stealing a lot from Eli Mitchell or whoever the 49ers running back is. And oh, by the way, he's currently injured, which is a problem for him all <laughs> last season. So <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's the that's the point I was going to make here is that, you know, we don't exactly know what this offense is going to look like when we get into the regular season with Trey Lance, but really good chance Trey Lance scores uh, six, eight touchdowns on the ground. Right. And that um, that is a huge limiting factor on Elijah Mitchell. Like he's got to if you're going to be this guy and you're only going to catch. You know, now, granted, he only I think he only played like 11 games last year. It's not like he you know, it's not like he made it through the full season, but I think he only caught 19 passes, which is just, you know, was okay. So maybe he can give him a full season. Maybe he catches 28, maybe catches 30. That's that's just not enough. We need guys like that to score 12 times. We need guys like that to score like 14 touchdowns. Um, and given the role that we would all expect Trey Lance to have at the goal line, I just don't think that's going to happen for Mitchell. So that's how he ends up here. It could, it could very well be one of those sort of empty calorie seasons where you look at it at the end of the year and you're like, huh, that guy was pretty good. He had. 1150 yards and six or seven touchdowns. And but then, you know, you're not getting any PPR points there. That's really not a lot of touchdowns over 17 games. And you're never going to feel like Elijah Mitchell helps you win a win a, a, a fantasy matchup. And that's if things go well. Right. Like, I, I definitely think he's a guy like I like him, but I, I feel like he's a guy where the the ceiling is pretty severely capped.
0: Yeah, like this entire offense is changing, and that's definitely going to change the outlook for Elijah Mitchell as well as the pass catchers. All right, we just talked about Miles Sanders uh, or hinted at him a little bit. He is the next guy on your list. So, I mean, Miles Sanders told us himself, don't draft me in fantasy, right? Uh, He literally said that this offseason, so shouldn't be a hard case here, Andy, but make it for us.
1: Yeah, um, it's pretty similar to the to the Mitchell case, except that he didn't have, you know, he was efficient last year, uh, obviously didn't visit the end zone. He's hurt right now. Um, He's hurt right now. That's that's a problem. Um, And the the coaches rave about his backups. They love Kenneth Gainwell. Um, They love talking. They pump up Kenneth Gainwell every time they get a chance to. Boston Scott played uh, basically in tandem in the preseason with Gainwell. They both they're they're both good, like they're both going to see the field. Gainwell was a great receiving option near the goal line last year. Um, Ga- Gainwell is going to be a real problem for people who invest in Sanders. And then Jalen, oh, by the way, Jalen Hurts uh, is going to suck up all these goal line uh, uh, rush attempts. Hurts is going to finish this season with seven touchdowns, eight touchdowns, something like that, as long as he stays healthy. Maybe it's more, maybe it's 10. He's going to be one of the primary goal line backs. They they love to run stuff for both Scott and Gainwell. Like, Sanders is just going to end up in a in a messy committee that could be three guys. And do I think he's going to, you know, break the streak and re-enter the end zone this year? Sure. Um, Yeah. But I I don't think we're going to see his big games coming. I'm sure there are going to be some big games Mm -hmm. down the, down the road, but we're, we're going to be guessing at Eagles backs all year. And there's always going to be a right answer. And I think it's going to, I think it's going to switch up from week to week. And it wouldn't surprise me at all. If Hertz led the team in rushing touchdowns.
0: Yeah. Some of these running backs, you could like, you can maybe squint at it and say, okay pass catching guy they're pro they're they're not favored in this game this might be the week that you really want to use this player like the game script dependent backs or they're favored in this game they're at home i can feel pretty confident about using a banger back but you can again to bring it back to the to the non-dead zone guys you could bring that you could say that about guys that go running back 33 to, to 40 or something like that so that's why again this dead zone thing exists some of the and also by the way the the None of these guys are like Miles Sanders. If he was that good, they'd use Miles Sanders all the time. They wouldn't right. be messing around <laughs> with Kenny Gainwell right. or freaking Boston Scott or, you know, still talking about, well, if Jordan Howard, you know, you never know. We could bring him back on the team, right? Like if Miles Sanders was that dude, he would be that dude in fantasy. That's why these guys are in the dead zone, too, by the way. And I think the next guy we're going to talk about, Cam Akers. Is the per is the epitome of that, and I guarantee you, people will think about Cam Akers because he's a Rams running back. There's a decent history on this team of Todd Gurley had big seasons, whatever. It's a good offensive environment similar to like C.E.H. But man, Cam Akers has a ton of pitfalls in his in his range of outcomes as well. Obviously, he got a ton of work when he came back from that Achilles injury. Wasn't good with that work, and then as soon as you know, Daryl Henderson was healthy in the Super Bowl, they start using daryl henderson again both daryl henderson and cam makers are banged up uh this offseason that's a consistent theme with both players you know and, and i would say that backups can benefit from injury chaos starters can benefit from injury chaos too cam makers i think if daryl henderson got hurt would have a better outlook than if daryl henderson was around and daryl henderson gets hurt all the time so i think acres is right on that fringe of Guys that are in the dead zone that I don't mind taking, but I'd really rather I'd really rather you not. And isn't that kind of the point of this whole discussion where we're looking at players that they're going to be at the top of your queue. You don't have a running back to yet. Ah, oh, Cam Akers has had some moments in the NFL, right? he's had some big workloads. He plays for the Rams. But I, I think there are way too many trap doors for Cam Akers in, in the course of the season here.
1: I think I think Akers is the one guy that we're going to talk about that. Like, I could be re- I don't have any Akers. And I, I've, I've yeah. discussed him before as a player where I, I acknowledge that the ceiling for Cam Akers is is pretty extraordinary. And um, it could be a major whiff for me. Like, I don't you know, I don't I, I doubt. I really doubt that Miles, that not having any Miles Sanders is going to burn me. Like, I I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that not having any CEH is going to burn me. But like not having any Cam Akers, if he if he can get back to being the version of Cam Akers that we saw in the playoffs, not last year, but the year before when he was just he was just all they had and they wrote him and he was great. Like, I thought he was legitimately great in the postseason in in 2020 and I was super excited to, you know, get some cam makers for the 2021 season. And then obviously the Achilles injury. And we all saw like how inefficient and, and unable to break tackles he was in the postseason last year. It, if he can get back to being, you know, 18 to 22 touches a game, and it's, it's the Rams and he's the guy they're mm-hmm. leaning on and he can give us 15 games. I mean, that's just gonna be an awesome season. Like there's definitely, I, I would acknowledge that the upper end of his range of outcomes is probably like 1600 yards, 1700 yards, all the touchdowns um, and it's great. I'm just I'm just fearful that he's going to look a little bit too much like the guy that we saw in the postseason last year. And I also hate that every time Sean, every every time I've heard Sean McVay discussed his his running back room, he mentions Henderson as well. So I'm not entirely sure that this isn't just going to be a committee. If they talk about it as a committee, there's really, you know, uh, Kyron Williams was a was a good college player. I don't know if he can work his way into this. It certainly helps his cause that both Akers and Henderson are hurt. Um, it's not that I think Henderson is some sort of sensational back either. I just don't think there's a lot separating either acres or Henderson right now. And it, it sure sounds like it's going to be a bit of a rotation, which is just, again, it's a killer if you're taking these guys, cause you, I mean, the receivers you're taking in, in this range in the RB dead zone, they're not rotational players. They're, no. they're, they're potential stars. Like they're all guys who are going to get 110, 120 targets. And if if things break just right, then all of a sudden it looks like the Cooper Cup season last year, or the Diggs season the year before. Right. Like I, I can't I can't pass on players like that for running backs who are improbable rotations.
0: Yeah. I mean, with wide receivers, you go down to, to wide receiver 24 and. Unless these guys get injured, it's very unlikely they're going to be a complete trapdoor mm-hmm. to your team. You get down to running back frickin' 30, and there's potential trap doors with all of these guys. I mean, last year, right, like, the Allen Robinson season doesn't happen very often, where a guy, for the most part, plays the majority of the season and just just kills your team for the entire season, right? Like that doesn't happen very often at the wide receiver position. It happens all the time at every range yes. of the draft with, yeah. with, uh with it happens all the time with running backs, but it, it, this is, this is where this, this keeps happening. And I think with the Rams thing, you know, sometimes if it looks like a committee, it smells like a committee. It is a, it, it is a committee. <laughs> sometimes if it's all, if it's been a committee the last two years and it pretty much has with the Rams backfield and the coaches keep telling you it's going to be a committee, Like this thing might just end up being a a freaking rotation, which is what I think happens with Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. And again, we're not we're we've seen guys come back successfully. We've seen well, we've seen guys come back, you know, and play again in the NFL after an Achilles injury. We're still kind of waiting on a guy to come back at running back from an Achilles injury and look like their old selves. Yeah. Cam Akers came back, didn't look like his old self. And we don't know if he ever will be basically is where we're at. All right. Let's talk about your last guy, and then we'll go, you know, quickly on my last two guys here. And before we preview the Cardinals, you've got Damian Harris. Uh, we talked about this back to it with Scott on the last episode, but Damian Harris still, by consensus ADP, is a top twenty-five running back. Ramondre Stevenson is RB thirty-five, and like that's a pretty clear example that if it if that flips by the middle of the season. I don't think anybody would be surprised, but people are going to look at Damian Harris's. Well, you know, he was a pretty big win for me in a in a post dead zone pick last year, scored all those touchdowns. Like he's at the top of my queue. I, I haven't drafted a second or third running back. Like, I'll just go ahead and take him.
1: Yeah. And I l- listen, uh, Damian Harris is another guy where like it, it might go well. It might go really well. He scored 15 touchdowns last year and and like he's a good player. He is similar to Elijah Mitchell in that he's he's not going to catch a ton of passes. That has not been his role, um, even in the post James White world. I don't think Damian Harris is going to catch a ton of passes. He's clearly going to be in some sort of rotation. The the guy who, what, you know, uh, O.C. Josh McDaniels last year, he he's he's no longer in town. He's he's coaching the Raiders and we have some. Defensive-minded offensive coordinators in New England now, so I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. I don't know what the I, I don't know what their opinion of Davian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson is. I do know that Stevenson is getting love in press conferences from like Bill Belichick, who doesn't you know he doesn't he doesn't love anything. So that's that's really encouraging if you've got a little Stevenson. I think Stevenson's going to play a ton. They're they're still leaning on on Ty Montgomery a bit in the preseason, like he could be a thing. This definitely feels like a something perhaps even more than a than a two man rotation. And that could be pretty bad for Harris, again, knowing that he's not going to I mean, he's just not going to catch 35 balls. You're not going to get that out of Damian Harris in all likelihood. So you're he's going to be TD reliant again. It worked last year. He scored every week last year. I don't know, Uh, like he every time he was on the field, every time he saw like 10, 12 touches, he was definitely scoring a touchdown. So that was great. It might happen, but we need it.
0: Last two guys on my list who could bang you, Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery. And I think this is another – these are two guys I know you and I have talked about previously on the podcast. So if you kind of want the in-depth case of these guys, go back and listen to those episodes. You can find them on the feed. But with Jacobs and Montgomery, like if Zamir White is ahead – because these are two – new. There's this is like classic running back dead zone. They're two pretty – Big names in fantasy if you've played the last few years, like you've you've started these guys for extended stretches, and you've heard fantasy analysts debate them back and forth for years. So, okay, they're the top guy in the queue. I'll go ahead and take them. But if Josh Jacobs is behind Zamir White by the end of the season, I would be zero percent shocked because it's a new coaching staff and they just drafted Zamir White. The Bears keep kind of hinting that they might, and observers of the Bears continue to hint that. You know, Khalil Herbert might be more involved. Dave Montgomery might not get the usage that you're you're used to seeing. Like if Khalil Herbert is leading, is the one A of a two man backfield, I wouldn't be surprised by the end of season. So kind of similar guys there to me, Andy. And like I said, I don't think we need to go in depth on them because we've talked about them plenty. But any any thoughts on these two players?
1: Yeah, I actually think that Montgomery is a little bit more at risk because the offense is not going to be good. Um, Right, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's no reason I think the offense is going to be good. So it could could very well be one of those situations where we're just wondering which player is going to score the one offensive touchdown that the Bears deliver each week. So that's a bad, that's just a really bad environment. I also think that Josh Jacobs, Josh Jacobs is a better back, and I, I have a lot yes, of respect agree, for the yeah. for the career that David Montgomery has put together. But Josh Jacobs is a guy who, when he's healthy, he's among the missed tackle leaders. Like he's as elusive as it gets. He we fully demonstrated last year that he can be a volume pass catcher. So I think you're, I think you're sealing with Jacobs given talent and given the 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 probable outcome for that offense for the for the Raiders offense this year I think his ceiling is is certainly higher but I also acknowledge that they didn't pick up his fifth year he's got a new head coach um, they drafted a running back who they like <laughs> like he's got it's not like he doesn't have some headwinds he clearly
0: does. Exactly. All right. Some guys that go in the dead zone that we didn't discuss. uh, And and I guess that means that we kind of like their outlook, even if they're in the dead zone. Travis Etienne, Brees Hall. I've got Chase Edmonds ranked here. I know that's kind of a hot take. And A.J. Dillon. Uh, So just I think the takeaway here, Andy, from this discussion is that you can probably safely punt on this entire zone of running backs, <laughs> but those are four guys that I think that go in this range that actually have pretty good outlooks. But they can't. They can certainly bang you, right? Because this is the whole the whole deal. But these guys that we talked about here are the most likely ones that if you want to just scratch them off of your draft list and don't take them, no matter how high in the queue they get, go for it and just take players like that go later in the draft, like Damian Pierce, Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson. I mean, Antonio Gibson's now going to get to this point. I think even like Devin Singletary and some of the pure committee backs like Penny and uh, like Penny and 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 uh, I mean, Ken Walker's hurt now at this. Point point, but like Michael Carter, Melvin Gordon, um, you know, Daryl Henderson, uh, even James Robinson, like these guys are going to go later in the draft, but it ha- could end up being top, uh, 20, you know, top the, the 18 to, to running back 30 range. Over the guys that we just tracked ahead of them. And, and like, we wouldn't be surprised at all, I think, is the takeaway. Yeah,
1: I, I will say the best teams that I drafted last year, which, um, you know, to your earlier point, w- were some of those rosters that like I would post the roster on my on my Twitter feed. And people were, you know, people were happy to tell me how bad those teams were. But but they were the <laughs> teams where like maybe I took one running back early or I was just based on where I was drafting. Um, I, I was going zero RB. My best teams last year drafted Cooper Cup in like round four, round five, had a couple of other hits at receiver. And I and I was getting Melvin Gordon at a shockingly late price. Right. Um, And Melvin Gordon, like whatever else you thought about him, he scored 10 touchdowns. He had eleven hundred yards. He was great. He was like he was verifiably great. He was like higher level analytics. Great. And he was just standard fantasy stats. Great. And um, and it was pretty clear that was going to happen, too. I don't know that Melvin is in exactly the same situation this year, but he falls fundamentally into that same group where people are running away from Melvin Gordon and he's clearly going to have a role.
0: Yeah. Twitter and all of your friends in your fantasy league, they love the balanced roster. You know, you yeah. checked the yeah. box at every single starter. But who gives a sh- also, your Yahoo draft grade. Yahoo yeah, draft well, grade I mean, really, suffer. who gives who gives a crap about the Yahoo draft grade? But <laughs> like, who gives a about the most balanced roster at the end of the draft? Yeah. We all know, like, the season begins at the draft and then ends five months later. And just because you didn't have Amon Ross Saint Brown or whatever league winning running back, it, you know, the, you're honestly, if you hate your if you hate your team. After the draft, you're more likely to want to going to beef it you know, through waiver additions throughout the year. And that's really how you win this thing, not by having the most balanced draft. So that's kind of the point of this whole discussion. And I think it's a good one for um, – honestly, it's a good thing for all of us seasoned players to remember. And it's a good thing for new players, casual players to remember. So that's kind of the whole point of the running back dead zone and everything like that. All right, Andy. We spent a lot of time on that. I think it was an important discussion to have. But we do have to still talk about the Arizona Cardinals before getting out of here. And what a strange – team the arizona cardinals are and they're they're they seem to want to double down on their strangeness every month of the season currently right now we've got like the kyler murray cliff kingsbury play calling thing going on in preseason which is objectively hilarious i don't care um, who you are (laughs) that's really funny but this team right now, I think the guy we the, we talked about earlier, the, all these running backs, James Conner, I kind of want to take your temperature on him because when you look at just the Cardinals roster right now, the way this team projects out, James Conner looks like a really good fantasy back, but I think people are still a little spooked by James Conner because, you know, he was a low yards per carry player last year. He's been injured before. He's been like a dead zone back before, but he's a great example of the post dead zone back from last season that became a legitimate like league winner because of where you took him and and the standalone value he gave when Chase Edmonds was healthy and the injury chaos he invent he uh, inherited last year when Edmonds got hurt. So where you at with James Connor this year? Who I, I think looks again. He looks like a really good pick this year
1: yeah you're you're so right, like one of those uh, James Connor versus Chase Edmonds was just one of those choices that that swung a lot of fantasy titles last year. It was just like Cooper cup versus robert woods um that was the that was the Connor thing. I don't get a lot of connor i'm i haven't I haven't avoided him and i I do have some teams with James Connor. I didn't think he looked good play to play last year. And that is obviously backed up by his uh, by a, like just an abysmal uh, yards per carry. Not that yards per carry are everything. Yards per carry is definitely something that you like, you know, before you before you decide that that is a really meaningful stat, you should you know, you should watch a bunch of a player and you should watch a bunch a bunch of a team. But like I, Chase Edmonds did not have a yards per carry problem last year. he <laughs> was pretty great. I think he was over five yards per carry. Connor was a little stuck in mud, but of course, it didn't matter because he scored uh 18 touchdowns right he was he was just objectively great for fantasy he scored every week um they didn't throw to him a ton but he caught almost everything that came his way there's every reason to feel good about him this year it's just daryl williams and you know benjamin sort of fighting over whatever role there will be alongside connor they love connor at the goal line that's the most important thing there's there's no reason to expect that to change this is this is a really weird team overall. And you uh, said it well at the top. Like, the possibly the strangest offseason, certainly of any team this year. Just wild, right? Like, absolute war between Kyler Murray and his team. And they gave him a huge contract. And then that contract was really effed up too, right? like that. Like,
0: yeah. The video game clause, the, yeah, the homework every, clause, but we all knew what they were talking about.
1: I don't know that Murray likes Kingsbury. I don't know. that He likes the Cardinals. Um, I, I like there's a, there's this weird simmering battle between quarterback and team. That's really strange. Moving pieces at receiver is really strange. I think, I think Connor is at least bankable. Like we know what they are going to count on him to do. Um, we know what it looks, we know what the best version of it looks like. It probably looks like last year the easiest and laziest thing to say that you're not going to get 18 touches, uh, touchdowns out of him this year yeah. um, but you uh, you're probably going to get 12 if he stays healthy you're going to get 12 that's a really good season and it's not like we're dra- you know we're not drafting an 18 touchdown player nobody's taking right. James Conner in the first round nobody's taking him at, like early in the second round that's just absolutely not yeah. happening so if James Conner scores 12 touchdowns this year which is which is a reasonable projection for him he's going to he's going to be a win based
0: on draft price Feel pretty good about him as an early third round pick and a running back too. basically, I mean, three Mm -hmm. down profile. People forget that he was Lev Bell's Mm -hmm. replacement earlier in his career and and was a was a huge win there. And then he became that player last year for the Cardinals when Edmonds went down and Edmonds is not here. And and there's nobody like you said, Darrell Williams, you know, Benjamin, like they're not stepping into that role. And, and and he's tethered to a pretty good offense. I mean, f- for all the consternation about the Cardinals, I think they'll still be a pretty good offense overall. So, like, that's that's a check mark. That's a guy you want to draft. Let's talk about DeAndre Hopkins here because he's going to serve a six game suspension. Producer Brett wrote on the outline: Where are you drafting Nuke? I'll tell you what: I am never going to draft a player with a that's going to miss the first six games of the season. Again, like, let him sit there at the top of the queue for forever i i don't care like somebody will draft him just don't let it be you basically um because yeah the, the like what we talked about earlier just a second ago you, you gotta you gotta make waiver claims okay like your your team's gonna be in chaos at different points of the year i just hate burning that roster spot on a guy that's gonna miss or that bench spot on a guy that's gonna miss six games that you can't drop I mean, I guess you could drop him, but then what was the point of taking him? Like you You can't can't put him on (laughs) IR,
1: right? Like he's suspended. You can't put him on, uh, you can't hide him anywhere. He's, he definitely fills a bench spot for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah. And like when he comes back, he'll probably, uh, that's another thing that's good about a a guy that's serving a suspension and isn't hurt. Like when he comes back, he's probably going to be the same old New Hopkins, but there are still questions about New Hopkins. Like last year, he didn't have the target totals that we wanted him to have. He just scored a lot of touchdowns. Like the, mm-hmm. the Scott Pienowski touchdown deodorant phrase that was certainly on Hopkins last year. So, Andy, is there ever a situation where you're going to click his name?
1: No, I haven't taken him yet. I've got him. It, the The ranks i don't know it's it's tough to look at ranks and actually know how someone feels about deandre hopkins because you've really got to bang him in the ranks um he's 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 going to be out for half of the regular season right so like that doesn't always reflect how I might approach a guy like this in in drafts. Um, but six weeks is just an absolute eternity. I've got him. I've got him buried in the 40s somewhere. I don't generally take him. I would take, you know, I'm taking George Pickens ahead of him. I'm taking Bob Woods ahead of him. I'm, I'm looking at the guys that I kind of have in that range right now. I've got, I, I'd probably take Chris Olave ahead of him. I would t- uh, like that's the that's the kind of player I'm taking Hunter Renfro ahead of him, Christian Kirk ahead of him, guys like that his name does pop up to the top of the queue and I'm probably looking at some tight ends. Maybe that's, that's actually a really good point in the draft to take a quarterback too. So I'm generally taking a quarterback there. I just don't get a lot of DeAndre Hopkins because you said it well, this is just, this is just forever to wait for a player. And Hopkins is close to the caliber of player that I, that I might be willing to endure it, but I, I would need like a I need a six man bench because, um, again, I can't I can't just stash him on IR. He's he's freaking suspended. That's um, it's such a pain. And and then if you start out, I don't know. Where, you where would to, you
0: where would you have him ranked? Like in a hypothetical world, he's not suspended this year. And it's kind of hard to say on the spot. But where would you have DeAndre Hopkins ranked if he was not going to miss six games?
1: No, it's a it's a good question. He's probably he probably takes like that Michael Pittman spot. He's probably like wide receiver 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there feel pretty good about him um I, kyler was really good as a passer last year and i y- you didn't get you know the 180 target version of uh deandre hopkins last year but he's a he's a great player i'd feel okay about him i wouldn't run away from him in drafts but six weeks is just forever and if your team starts like one and two one and three you're you ha- you gotta win like you you can't mess around you can't just yeah. say oh it's no big deal to go two and four those teams you know you're 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 really you're really running uphill then um it is tough to make the playoffs from like a one and five two and four start so like you're gonna look to trade like deandre hopkins is going to become a trade sweetener for you um if you start like one and two
0: yeah yeah and you'll just then what was again what was the point of drafting him Mm -hmm. right my wide receiver 10 this year is t higgins i i love t higgins t higgins is is a is a great player and in a good situation, there's no chance I'd wait for T Higgins or DJ Moore, or I'll say about my guy, Terry McLaurin, I'd never wait six games for any of those players. And that's now the group of guys. I think that Deandre Hopkins belongs with not the guys ahead of him, like CD lamb, Mike Evans, Devontae Adams. I mean, you know, even Tyree kill like that tier above these, but I'd wait Six games, maybe, maybe. But I'd think about well, – let's put it this way. I'd think about waiting six games for those players. Yep. I'd definitely wait six games for the first tier of receivers, Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Steph Diggs. But I, there's no chance, like starting at wide receiver tier three, I'd, I'd be willing to wait six games for any of those players. So I think that kind of hammers the point there. Non-Hopkins pass catchers. We – you and I have talked about Rondale Moore before and the weirdness there Um good god marquise brown i i've got him in a range where if you use my rankings you're probably gonna you're probably gonna draft him and but i i I don't like trust cliff kingsbury to really use him the way i'd want to use him like i know he's this is a crutch answer to say but i know how i'm gonna feel about marquise brown more so after like weeks one and two right which of of course (laughs) is like no duh but uh i'll know more about the usage of what i like there from him uh when we get to that point
1: yeah i think he's a You know, I think he's a nice replacement for Christian Kirk. I don't like, I I like him. I don't love him. I've drafted a fair amount of him. I don't run away from him, but I don't think he's, uh, I I don't think he's like the DeAndre Hopkins level of receiver. And I don't know that even the best version of this receiving core is substantially upgraded maybe maybe we'll feel that way by november i'm not i'm not totally sure and as you say we don't we don't know exactly what the usage is going to be here but in you know in in terms of just simply being a one-for-one replacement for christian kirk obviously it's a solid
0: move there all right we can just do red light yellow light green light pick style on kyler murray as yahoo adp quarterback six 59th overall in consensus adp Give me a traffic light on on Kyler Murray at that in that range.
1: I I guess it's yellow light, but I, but I the only reason I say that is because I think you can get a pretty similar situation out of Trey Lance much later in the draft. Maybe, maybe that's disrespectful to Kyler Murray because he like he was really good as a passer last year. Um, I'm I'm not giving you the red light, yellow light, green light thing here at all. I'm just talking about Kyler Murray, I guess, but. Um, <laughs> he was really good as a passer last year it was in terms of like every efficiency metric was up he was good he's been you know we all have jokes about this as like the you know horizontal rate offense horizontal passing attack and all that but kyler's been great on deep balls the last couple years he's got 18 touchdown passes only three picks on deep balls um it's a skill he's obviously a guy who can run for 800 yards and 10 touchdowns that's definitely that's happened um so it's you know it's in play again Weird team. They always, I, I, like, the first half of the season doesn't look anything like the second half of the season. Yeah. But by the second half, you know, he's an undersized guy. Um, he's probably going to be prone to injury, more so than other quarterbacks over the course of his career, both because of the size and because of the running tendencies. Um, so that's an issue. But yeah, I don't I I I guess that I guess that all means he's a yellow light for me. I think he's really good. I could imagine a scenario in which he finishes as the QB one. He's one of those guys for me. There's a lot of those guys. I just happen to, you know, if I'm if I'm gonna target a dual threat quarterback, I'd rather have Trey Lance much later.
0: Yeah, Trey Lance, Jalen Hurts. I think both those guys have similar ranges of outcomes. Um mm-hmm to Kyler Murray and, and they do go later. You can get them later. I just mentioned the 59 overall ADP. We've got 66 overall for Jalen hurts. We've got, I mean, Trey Lance, hundred overall, I'd much rather draft Trey Lance at hundred overall than Kyler Murray, where he's going. But, I agree with you that he could be the quarterback one this year. I wouldn't be surprised. I think you kind of have to make a decision. Like so much that we talk about all the time with football is randomness. I think you have to make a decision about the first half, second half thing for Kyler Murray and the entire Cardinals. Like, is that randomness or is that a, is that a symptom of who Cliff Kingsbury and to an extension, Kyler Murray are? And I do think that some of Cliff Kingsbury's static use of personnel, his, just weird like the horizontal raid thing you mentioned (laughs) and the fact that teams like there's just again they're so static that unless cliff has a coaching epiphany which is again that's possible totally possible totally possible then we'll probably just see this always be the case with his teams i think that's also in the range of outcomes too so i think that all does kind of add up to he's a yellow light for me too um i really want to green light him but I think it's kind of a yellow light and the durability thing too. Like he's gotten hurt every single year. I, he could be Matthew Stafford and and just suddenly not get hurt anymore. Yeah. like Matthew Stafford yeah. was earlier in his career, but because he's a smaller guy and because he runs around a lot, I think you kind of have to keep it in the back of your mind that he might. Oh man.
1: We guy. had jokes about Matthew Stafford. Like Matthew Stafford was one of those like clear cut, no doubt about it, injury prone guys. And then he rattled off a whole bunch of years in which he didn't miss a game happens.
0: Andy, I think that's going to do it for us uh, today if there's a theme to this episode, it's like, if you want to be a really good fantasy player, which you don't have to be to be happy in life, but (laughs) honestly, maybe you'll be more happy in life. Don't just like print off the cheat sheet or go by the default rankings and like cross guys off. Like there can be entire times where I need a second running back and I don't draft a damn uh, running back in this range or um, Deandre Hopkins sitting there forever. He's the top of my cheat sheet. I really just want to, just and just don't take Deandre Hopkins. Like, you could live a more peaceful life if you just took Alan Lazard. And I know you've got Alan Lazard higher, but I've got DeAndre Hopkins at 46 and Alan Lazard at 47. I, you could be perfectly happy to just take Alan Lazard uh, instead of DeAndre Hopkins there. That's just like the best way to play fantasy. But um, anyways, that's going to do it for us. You can follow Andy on Twitter at Andy Barons. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, make sure you're following at Yahoo fantasy Edwin Porras, fantasy analyst actually doctor a guy we've name dropped on the show a 100 times so far is going to come on the show tomorrow and he's going to make me look bad he's going to make andy look bad for that saquon barkley take (laughs) you'll definitely want to check that one out until then we're out of here